This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. A lot of people make resolutions in January, and we are no different. The difference is that every year we put our pop culture resolutions right out there, putting our stakes in the ground right out loud. We also check in on what we resolved to do this last year and whether we did it perfectly, imperfectly, or perhaps not at all. I'm Stephen Thompson. And I'm Linda Holmes. It's Resolutions Time once again on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Joining me and Stephen today are our fellow Pop Culture Happy Hour hosts, Aisha Harris. Hey, Aisha. Hey, Linda. And Glenn Weldon. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Linda. Well, you probably don't need us to explain what a New Year's resolution is. And besides, we do this every year. Maybe you do, too. These are generally our more pop culture adjacent resolutions, often related to what we want to check out or create or otherwise accomplish. So let's dive right in. Glenn, we're going to start with your resolution for 2022. Let's hear the tape. Well, it's going to sound like a cheat, but it's to continue the podcast. Launching a podcast is one thing. Keeping it going requires an entirely different set of skills. It requires you to adjust your fuel mixture of your three limited resources of time, money, and commitment. Anyone can launch a podcast. The challenge is keeping it going. Most people don't. To be fair, we've still got some Maguin-related content we haven't gotten to, but we will pivot at some point to a new format in which we will force each other to watch stuff that the other wouldn't have watched otherwise. So if I know Chris, my diet of cheesy 80s action movies is about to get very dense, while Chris is about to be subjected to things like the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, Absolutely Fabulous, (laughs) Pee-wee's Playhouse, that Cher TV special where she played every role in West Side Story, (laughs) and of course, Lucille Ball's star turn in MAME. Mame. But we're going to keep going. We're going to keep plugging away. Degree Absolute. Find it wheresoever you find your podcasts. I feel like we should start by clarifying for people what a degree absolute is, what podcast that is. That is the podcast that you do with friend of the show, Chris Klemick, that started off being all about the prisoner mm-hmm. and then morphed into being about everything Patrick McGowan had ever done. Mm-hmm. I have, in that regard, done this show. I have done it, but a couple of mcgowan episodes of Columbo. I also mm-hmm. did your Time to Kill episode. So that is the podcast that you are talking about. Yeah. Take it away. You know, gang, what is a resolution? <laughs> <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines... No, look, uh, so a degree absolute is still a thing. I'm very proud of that. We had guests, as you mentioned, Linda, like Ronald Young Jr., Josh Beagle, Casey Aaron Clark, Jordan Morris, Keith Phipps, Linda Holmes. She took forever to get back to us, but that's, you know, you don't know. She's got so many people. You don't know who you're supposed to reach out to. As you mentioned, Linda, this podcast started out as a rewatch of the 60s sci-fi series The Prisoner, starring Patrick McGowan. It turns out Here's what happened. There is more non-prisoner Patrick McGowan content out in the universe than we realized. And the show is always really a love letter to McGowan as an actor, his very idiosyncratic, very big, hugely enjoyable actorly choices. So we tracked down pretty much everything he has appeared in. If it's out there in the world so that other people can watch it, we talked his two very odd Disney projects, The Scarecrow of Romney Marsh and The Three Lives of Thomasina. We talked Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend. We talked The Simpsons episode he appeared on. We talked eventually the really terrible 
terrible AMC 2009 sequel remake reboot because we had to, even though he wasn't involved because he was dead. We did all of that. So the show's still going on, but we never got to the pivot. um, And so I don't know how you would grade that. So you never got to the part that my friends at the podcast Extra Hot Great would call the forcing, where we force each other to watch things. Haven't gotten there yet, I would say. I feel like a a B plus is an... I mean, you you kept it going. Kept it going. That was half of it. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) Don't don't be so down on yourself. Also, like, that's a nice list of guests that you rattled off there that you had on your show. Solid list of guests, yeah. All right, buddy. So why don't you tell me what you are resolving for the coming year? All right. I'm just going to kick the can down the road. I mean, we've got one more Magoon-related thing left, but then will come the pivot. The pivot is still on the table. It has proven more difficult to get together and do this thing without the strict regimen of those original 17 episodes of The Prisoner. That provides you a nice infrastructure that helped. Once we started kind of pulling in other content, it became more diffuse and I'm going to say for me at least a bit less urgent, which is not ideal. I mean, if you want to keep a podcast going, some conceptual drift is okay as long as that doesn't bleed into logistical drift, (laughs) you know? So to reorient ourselves, we might take a detour to devote a few episodes of the podcast to a rewatch of HBO's Watchmen series. That will tune up our engines and give us something to stick to. But officially, my 2023 resolution is to kick the can of last year's resolution down the road and say, more of that, keep going pivot. I'm also going to write a novel, but mostly it's that podcast thing. Wait, I want to hear the last thing that you said. Did you say novel? Yeah, I heard something about a novel. Uh, novel. No, no, that's, uh, let's stick to the podcast thing. Podcast thing is the actual re- resolution. Yeah, you can't take that back. I'm take <laughs> you can't take it back. You already said You've it. You've now promised to write a novel <laughs> in 2023. Yep. Okay. Right. Might have been whispered, but there I heard it. We all heard it. <laughs> You're accountable. We're all about accountability. Right. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. You're writing a novel. I really look forward to reading it. Stephen Thompson, Let's talk about your resolution from last year. Oh, man. So what I'm going to do in 2022, I'm giving myself a metric. I'm going easy on myself. I'm going to say that I am going to read five books alongside my partner, Katie. We are going to try to get into the habit of reading books side by side, not her reading a book and me playing Pokemon Go, not her reading a book and me deleting emails, not her reading a book and me waiting for her to turn out the light, but us side by side reading books. Uh, So I am going to get not back into the habit because I have never been in the habit, maybe when I was a kid with like Encyclopedia Brown books or whatever, but I'm going to really try my very, very best to get into the habit of always have a book on hand that she and I read in the same room as each other. How'd it go? Oh, man. I really (laughs) wanted this to happen. Yeah. Katie really wanted this to happen. Yeah. First of all, I got a freebie. Linda Holmes wrote a great book in 2022 called Flying Solo. So that's one out of the five. (laughs) In January, I read... Party of One by Dave Holmes. Wonderful book. book. Read it entirely for pleasure. Started reading Michael Shore's How to Be Perfect. Great book. Somewhere along the way, stopped reading it and never looked back. Ironic. I just (laughs) got out of the tiny little habit that I'd started to get myself into. And then I just stopped. And the insurmountable obstacle that is my brain and doom scrolling and Pokemon Go and emails 
just meant I didn't make this habit happen. I would still love to make this habit happen, but I can't resolve to do it in 2023 because I cannot bear another failure. That, that is why I am also not predicting that I'm going to get the children's book idea in my head off the ground. It's why I'm not okay. predicting I'm going to play less Pokemon Go and take Twitter off my phone because I don't have faith in myself that those things are going to happen. So what I'm going to resolve is about music. Because I looked at my ever-changing top 10 list for 2022, I see tons and tons of records that I love, almost entirely by artists I already knew going into 2022. This was a big year for things I love, newsflash, I still love them. When it came to new music in 2022, I did a lot more contextualizing than I did curating. Mm -hmm. I did not get a chance to do as much discovery of music and sharing of new artists as I ordinarily do or as much as I wanted to. So for 2023, the metric I'm going to give myself is four albums out of my top 10 are going to be by artists whose music I have not heard as of the end of 2022. Nice. Now, of course, I control that. I promise I will not cheat <laughs> and, and put things in my top 10 that don't belong there because they're new. I'm really going to try to spend more time curating and just as much time contextualizing, but really like putting myself out there to discover new music, which is a big part of my job that I, I don't feel like I did a good enough job on in 2022. That's what I want to get better. Yeah, I totally. That's get a it. solid thing to hold yourself accountable for. I, I love it. I love it too. Very good job. I'm with you. I support you. Thank you. All right, Aisha Harris, we are going to listen back to your resolution for 2022. So the first is to buy fewer Criterion Blu-rays because my <laughs> my bank account can't handle it anymore. Those flash sales get me every time. And my other one is to play more. Once I am actually done writing this book and I have a little bit more free time, I want to play more video games and I want to do more puzzles. I used to love puzzling. I even bought puzzles thinking I was going to do them and then haven't. I want to do that. And I also want to get back into playing more board games. My partner and I are huge board game people and we have, I don't know, 20, 25 board games that are collecting dust right now because we just haven't felt the motivation. And so I miss that. I want more play time, like away from screens. I mean, video games are a screen, but not work-related playtime. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's my resolution. I love that. How'd it go? So funny thing. When you're writing a book, <laughs> it often takes longer than you think it is <laughs> to write one. At least it did for me. So I got both of these resolutions in down to the wire. Like only in the last few weeks of this year <laughs> have I actually played more because I, I wrote this book and it's coming out in summer 2023. Wannabe, check it out. And then also I was doing Screening Ourselves, which also took a lot of time to do mm -hmm that series for PCHH. So that all culminated at the, around the same time when I was finished with both of those projects. And so in the last few weeks, 
I have played more. I finally played Wingspan, which had been one of the board games that was collecting dust for a very long time. Wingspan is fun. Highly recommend it. It's a little confusing at first, but once you get Mm -hmm. it, it's pretty simple, especially if you play a lot of board games. There's a lot of elements of other board games baked into that. Also bought a new kind of fancy Scrabble. Scrabble's fun. It's basic, (laughs) but it's fun. (laughs) It's a classic for a reason. Yes, yes. As for buying fewer Criterions, Dude, I thought that I had failed this so hard. And yet when I went to go and look back at my account, which shows you all the things you've ordered, I did it. I did it, y'all. I bought fewer (laughs) ones. I resisted the temptation. Amazing. (laughs) I I only bought four in this entire calendar year. That's great. And the previous year I had bought, we'll just say more than 10. So I did really well. Highly successful. Highly Highly successful. successful. I even got to write a Criterion essay, which is like kind of on my vision board for a very long time for Buck and the Preacher. And I have another one coming out next year for Hollywood Shuffle. So Mm -hmm. yeah, my resolutions, I did it. Aisha, that is a year of triumph. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) You're going to be the the runaway champion, but (laughs) amazing job. All right. So now I want to know what you are resolving for the upcoming year so that we can all sabotage you so that you won't show us all up (laughs) quite so badly next year. Okay. So mine is similar to Stevens from the year before, which is to read more books, not next to my partner, because that's trying to do too much. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I am going to try and read more books. I have about five or six specifically books that from people that I know, like Linda Holmes and other people who I have not read yet, because when you're writing your own book, you don't want to (laughs) It just, there's a lot going on. So Uh I have a lot of books on my shelf already that I I want to get into and I'm going on vacation soon. So I'm going to have those, a couple of those books and bring them on the plane with me. I'm excited. So my my goal, I'm going to give myself a concrete number, which is seven. Don't ask me why. I just felt like 10 was a reach. And, (laughs) (laughs) but seven seems doable. So that's one. And then my other one is that I want to start my own little movie watching diary. Uh I've got one of my favorite notebooks. I bought like many of these and I use these for when I'm taking notes for movies. But I want to, for every single movie that I watch, whether it's a rewatch or a completely new to me movie, I want to just have my little diary you know, jot down at least two or three things and really focus mostly on how these movies made me feel in the moment, what my takeaway was from it. Because so many times when I'm watching these movies, I'm often thinking about lots of other things besides how it made me feel, whether it's how I'm going to critique it, how I'm going to do these things. I just want to get like, this is how I felt in the moment while watching this movie. Maybe pick my one or two favorite performances, my one or two favorite moments, and just jot them down. Even if it's just like one line for a, a movie, if I don't have much to say, that is what I'm going to do. I already log all the movies that I watch in a given year. I've been doing that for over a decade now, but I want to actually have notes now for each one. So movie diary. Absolutely love it. Cool. Regardless of the fact that you win, I'm going to open <laughs> myself up to the painful process of revisiting my own yes. resolution from last year. So play the tape. I'm going to re-up my 2021 resolution and try to read 50 more books. That is still something that I aspire to. Maybe I can beat my 2021 total in 2022. But yeah, 50 more books. That's A. But my other one I want is I want to watch 20 movies that I've never seen before that came out before I was born. Nice. Because I have some holes in my cinema history knowledge. Nothing has 
brought that to my attention, like hanging out and talking to Aisha, who knows way more film (laughs) history than I do. If you want some recs, let me know. Absolutely. 20 movies I've never seen before that came out before I was born. Okay. Do you still want some recs, Linda? (laughs) Okay, so... I'm happy to give them to you. (laughs) So let me say first that I did read about 30 books. Okay. You know, I read some really wonderful things this year. I read a good mix of fiction. I read some things that aren't necessarily, like, the kind of stuff I normally read. I read some really good kind of contemporary romance fiction of the kind of stuff that I always love. I read some more like what people would consider literary fiction. I read some nonfiction. I read a good mix of stuff, but I read 30 and not 50. So I'm afraid we are re-upping that for another year just because I'm going to keep re-upping it until I do it. Mm -hmm. On the movie front, I did not do that at all. I mean, I probably did. Like I probably could go back and find a handful of things that fit that description that I did watch, but I didn't commit to it the way that I wish I had. And it's just because as this year went on, I realized that I was having trouble kind of just being super into things. And I was feeling a little bit of, I don't know if I want to say like ennui, like it's not, I want to make it clear that like, it's not because I don't think people are still making lots of super awesome things to watch and read and listen to. I just was having trouble like locking into things. And Mm -hmm. I kept telling people, I'm just watching a lot of things where I'm like, I would give that a B. Mm -hmm. So it's really funny that Aisha mentioned her film journaling because the thing that I wrote in my notes is weekly culture intake journal. What I want to do is I want to make sure that I am keeping track of what I'm watching and, and reading and listening to. And the reason for that is to make sure that, first of all, I'm keeping track of like, how is my balance of taking in different kinds of things? You know, how am I doing being aware of things outside my kind of most obvious areas of interest? You know, am I remembering all the stuff that I really loved? And am I keeping myself kind of aware of the real balance between what I've loved and what I've loved less? I guess it's a way of consuming culture more mindfully, Mm -hmm. just by keeping track of what I'm doing. So it's the reading goal, which is the 50 books for the year. Uh It's the film goal, which is the 20 movies I've never seen from before I was born. And then it's the journaling goal, which I am hoping will facilitate more success with the first two goals, plus will make me feel more kind of vibrant about what I am taking in. So it's I'm sort of trying to fix my funk a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my resolution for this uh, upcoming year. I like that. I think checking in via a journal, that's kind of why I want to do that as well, is just kind of get a sense and and separate myself more and not feel like I'm just watching these things like in a rote way. Yes. So that is um, my resolution. That is all of our resolutions. We definitely, as always, want to know what your resolutions are for the new year. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH. Next up, we are going to talk about what is making us happy this week. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch, and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. 
Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research. Uh, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Now it's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week. What's making us happy this week? Glenn Weldon, what is making you happy this week? The Menu is a little film we didn't get around to covering this year, but man, I love it. It's about a bunch of people who go to a very exclusive restaurant on a private island where the chef, played by Ray Fiennes, serves them a meal they will never forget. This is just a nasty piece of work. And if you've seen the trailer, don't watch the trailer, never watch the trailer, people. But if you've seen the trailer, you might have some sense of what's going to happen. And you might think, well, that's just the one thing. How can they keep that going? They keep it going. It is so smartly written. It is well-structured. It builds, it fakes you out, it dangles revelations, and then pays them off beautifully. It's funny. It's dark. Watch it with your most obnoxious foodie friend. (laughs) And you'll enjoy the hell out of it, even if they might not. If you still can't catch it in theaters, it is coming to streaming on January 3rd, Blu-ray DVD on January 17th. That is The Menu. All right. Thank you very much, Glenn Weldon. Aisha Harris, what is making you happy this week? Kim Hale is a dancer, teacher, choreographer who I first discovered when some celebrity, it might have been Viola Davis or someone else, shared her Instagram page of her dancing to a song by Crime Mob called Rock Your Hips. She is in her 50s. She's a white lady. And her dancing to the song, which is very Southern hip hop, it's jarring, but she is so effervescent and so happy. And it led me to her Instagram page, which is just her dancing. And she is just a delight. I love her. She um, is someone who has appeared on Ellen, um, lots of late night shows. She's been an assistant choreographer for Debbie Allen. She actually assistant choreographed Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. Oh my God. So I encourage everyone to go find her at Instagram. It's Miss Kim Hale, M-S-K-I-M-H-A-L-E. She just has so much joy. And I love the fact that she's in her 50s and is kind of having this moment where she used to be a ballet dancer, kind of apparently lost a little bit of her love for dance at some point and then has found it again, like going viral on Instagram. And she's a great dancer, but she also just what I love about it is her effervescence and how happy she seems to be dancing all the time. So that's Miss Kim Hale on Instagram. Go check it out. She will bring you so much joy. Absolutely. Love it. Thank you very much, Aisha. All right, Stephen Thompson, what is making you happy this week? Well, I've talked before on this show about making mixes of 90s music for my 18-year-old daughter. We recently went on a family road trip and pulled out some of those mixes, and we hit the song Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet. Because you need to This song from the album Girlfriend from 1991 is one of my favorite songs of the 90s. This album is one of my favorite albums of the 90s. My family did something 
that a lot of people in my position don't get to experience, which is my family flipped out about how great this song is and started asking me questions. <laughs> Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. <laughs> Talk to me about Matthew Sweet. And do people know this album? Do people understand how great this album is? And I got to, to be like, oh, well, you know, for people of a certain age, Matthew Sweet was quite the songster. Anyway, <laughs> hearing my family revel in their discovery of Matthew Sweet's Girlfriend, one of the best albums of the 90s, was a great kind of joy for me. And it made me think for a moment, people who listen to Pop Culture Happy Hour aren't all 50-year-old rock critics. And maybe they haven't heard Girlfriend. Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet. New people are born every day. I cannot recommend to you enough pulling this album out, rediscovering if you already knew it or discovering if you didn't, an album that is an absolutely 100% perfect, timeless, ageless piece of power pop music. And all of a sudden, everybody in my family's into Matthew Sweet. What could be better? <laughs> That's what's making me happy this week. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you very much, Stephen Thompson. What is making me happy this week is Drink Masters, yeah. which is a show on Netflix, which is sort of like Top Chef for bartenders and mixologists. When I started this, I was a little bit suspicious just because I don't know nearly as much about cocktail making as I do about cooking. And so I was afraid I was going to be completely lost, and I often was completely lost. Anybody who knows anything about cocktails knows more than me. I went to Twitter at one point, and I was like, this guy just made a thing with artichoke liqueur. Is that a thing? And people are like, yes, absolutely. It's very good. Here are the 18 ways that you can enjoy artichoke liqueur. But the idea is, you know, as you would imagine from something like Top Chef, it is mixologists who are assigned to make some sort of interesting cocktail. And... Part of what I enjoyed about it was I just have no idea what's good. I did find it fascinating to enter a world in which there are all kinds of, you know, assumptions and traditions and things that kind of like everybody knows. And then you're like, oh, I never heard of that in my entire life. And so it made me curious about cocktails. It made me curious about you know, non-alcoholic cocktails. It made me curious about a great many things. There is also just a bit of absurd excess yes. that can come into play when you're talking about these sort of massive setups with the drink that you're supposed to drink this and touch this <laughs> and bite that and, you know, not your basic tequila shot, but things that are kind of more involved than that. There is a hint of absurdity that still respects the deep knowledge and capabilities of the people who are involved. It's hosted by Tone Bell, who is a really affable sort of a dude. I liked the contestants for the most part. And it really made me appreciate, obviously, everybody that I've ever gone to a bar and been like, I really liked that cocktail that that person made. It's made me be like, okay, now I understand like a little bit more of what's going on there and what's going on when you walk into a bar and it actually has like an interesting, carefully curated cocktail list. So Drink Masters, Netflix, goes down easy like a good cocktail. Very much appreciated it. And that is what is making me happy this week. Well, if you want links for what we recommended, plus some additional recommendations, sign up for our newsletter. That's at npr.org slash newsletter. That brings us to the end of our show. Stephen Thompson, Aisha Harris, Glenn Weldon, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And this episode was produced by Mike Katzif. It was edited by Jessica Reedy. And Hello, Come In provides our theme music. 
Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all in 2023. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mass Mutual. The Financial Educators Council says 39% of Americans don't have someone to go to for financial advice, but you can plan for the short and long term with someone backed by 170 years of financial expertise at MassMutual.com. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Your business faces specific challenges and unique opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, custom-tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the expertise, strategy, and resources of a top-10 commercial bank, a dedicated team works with you to support your success and help achieve your goals. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation.